Hey there, it's Melissa Brunetti, and welcome to the Mind Your Own Karma podcast. Hey there, Karma crew. I am so glad you're joining me today on Mind Your Own Karma, the Adoption Chronicles. Happy Adoption Awareness Month. And as you know, I am on a mission to educate the world about adoption. And I believe that we can do that with our stories. And today I have Danielle Godet. She is an adoptee and the author of Healing Tree, a book about her adoption experience, reunion experience, and her healing experience of the primal wound. Danielle has been writing poetry and short stories since she was six years old. She graduated from the University of Iowa, where she continued her study of creative writing. Her Healing Tree blog can be found at daniellegaudet.com. After finding her true self in 2000, she took time to explore her inner world and worked to help others do the same. As a 20-year trainer and coach in body and brain principles and practices, she currently works in Seattle as the Regional Director of Washington Body and Brain Centers. She cares deeply about honesty, transparency, and making sure people feel safe, encouraged, and empowered to go within themselves to face their pain and hardships. She believes that in doing so, they will be able to uncover the strength and wisdom to heal their inner wounds and create themselves anew. This is how she lives her life. She practices facing her own wounds and has found that in doing so, she is brought closer to her true self. She shares her story in Healing Tree to help others find the courage to go inward, the courage to heal their hearts. Her passion is to continue to awaken herself to the true principles of the universe and to help others awaken as well. She feels that with every person who chooses to do their own inner work, we are lifting the collective heaviness, fear, resentment, and darkness, and we are brightening humanity together. This will be part one of two parts. Today, we will be focusing on Danielle's adoption experience and how she grew up. Next week, we will be talking about her reunion experience and sprinkled throughout both episodes is a little bit about her healing journey as well. Let's dive right into Danielle's adoption story and her book, Healing Tree. All right, we're welcoming Danielle Goddett to the show today. Thank you so much for being a guest on Mind Your Own Karma. And thank you for sharing your adoption experience. And especially thank you for sharing the Healing Tree book with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's just jump right in to the adoption story. What year were you adopted? What were the circumstances around your adoption and all that good stuff? Okay, sure. So I was born in 1977. May of 1977 in Manhattan, New York, and I was adopted 10 days later. I was adopted through the Catholic Charity Bureau of New York, and it was a closed adoption. But my parents lived in Massachusetts, so they came down from Massachusetts to pick me up. They, they, so my parents uh, were unable to get pregnant. My mother had some, well, actually it was really kind of unclear. That's the way that I was told mm-hmm. growing up. It wasn't quite clear exactly who had a fertility issue or what the actual problem was, but it just wasn't working. It wasn't working for okay. that. And so my mother, they both wanted to have a baby so badly. 
And there was a long waiting list in Massachusetts. It was like four, they put their names on, but it was like four years wait for a baby. I know. And so my mother was sad and she was, you know, I think talking a lot to her friends and her family members about it. And she had some cousin who had friends, (laughs) it was like her cousin's friends had a connection with Cardinal Cook, a man named Cardinal Cook. And again, this is all the stories that I was told. So this is how I know my own adoption story. So uh, Cardinal Cook in, in Manhattan, somehow there was a connection. And because of that connection, they, they were able to find out that a baby was available, me, much earlier than the four-year wait that they were hoping for. They met with uh, the Catholic Charity Bureau. Her name was Sister Una McCormick. And I think it was in a year, in a year's time that they were able to adopt. But it was a closed adoption. So they brought me from Manhattan back to Boston. And I was raised in Watertown, right outside of Boston, Massachusetts, for my whole life. So you were their first child? Yes, I was their first child. I was the oldest daughter. Actually, so four years later, the Massachusetts adoption, I don't know if that was Catholic Charity Bureau. I don't know who that was in Massachusetts, but they called and they said, oh, there's a baby ready for you now. So then they adopted my younger sister. Oh, wow. Basically four years younger than me. So the two of us grew up, just she and I. Yeah. It's the two of you. So you're both adopted. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, in reading the book, I, I was reading that you had kind of an interesting relationship with your adoptive mom and, you know, you loved her very much, but you kind of felt a responsibility to take care of her at a very young age. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I did love her very much. I had a very strong connection with her. I would say she was really my very best friend up until I left for college. We were super close, but, and she loved me so much. She was just, she was just an extremely loving person. She was the kind of person that made everybody feel that she loved them most of all. (laughs) She's just full of love. She's overflowing with it. But the sad aspect of the story was that when I was around maybe six years old, she started to struggle with her mental health. Mm. And that diagnosis ended up being just a severe, acute anxiety and depression. Okay. And it was linked back to her own. She had PTSD from some trauma, Mm. sexual trauma when she was young, but I think it had never gotten dealt with. And, for whatever reason, it just sort of ballooned at that time when I was about six years old. So yeah, she would be great, 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 great. And then have a really, really, really bad day. And I just felt inclined to care for her. And because we were so close, she would sort of look to me too. Mm. So it became a, I was, I became a very young healthcare provider, I feel. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just knew how to comfort her and and really entertain her 
So I didn't know, but I had a little entertainer in me. <laughs> and that was really when it really came out, you know, I would pull out all the tricks for making my mom laugh and would sing to her and dance for her to make her smile. And I, I, if I really look back on my life, my younger years, my whole goal was to make my mother happier, more peaceful. Yeah. To Why do you think you felt that responsibility at that young of an age? I don't know. That's a really, really good question. It, I equate it to how much I loved her. And, you know, when someone you love needs you, you're just there for them. Right. And then later, as I grew up, I came to discover I, I didn't only have an entertainer in me. I had a healer in, in my heart as well. And I think it was really being nurtured at that time, even though I didn't understand it. Just my instinct to want to care for people and her her pain was my pain for sure. Yeah. So I, it just came out very naturally. So in the book, you talk about how you realize that you carried that burden of fixing your adoptive mom and your body physically. So can you tell us about that? And what was the process in which that you realized that you were doing that? I, I don't think I fully realized that until much later. And right. Yeah. After I got into my own healing practice, Mm -hmm. the mind, body, spirit practice called body and brain. And it, it's an energy training really. So through doing energy exercises and meditation, I was able to go deep within and discover different things that I was holding in there in my body, different emotions, memories, and, and you can trace it, I could trace it back. Right. So I could start, I remembered when I was an early teenager that started coming up, it started to be harder to contain it, to push it down. Mm -hmm. There was frustration, anger, and, and a strong feeling of resistance and wanting to protect myself that came up. At the same time, I still wanted to help my mother, but this wall was building inside. And later, which is in the practice that I've been now doing for over 20 years, I just continued to uncover and cleanse um, how much I was holding that and where that came from inside of me. I know you talked about too, just kind of realizing that everybody's on their own journey. And so that kind of took the burden off of you knowing that this was the journey that she was supposed to be on for whatever reason. Yeah. I feel like that started as I began my own spiritual path, mm -hmm. realizing I was on a journey and things were happening to me. And this was something for me to grow and heal. And then I could kind of look at her with those eyes. So little by little, I was detaching from that strong need to fix her, help her be responsible for her. And I started to, okay, she's, she's, got to do what she's got to do. I can only do so much. Right. And that was the realization. I can't fix her. I can't change her. She's got to be the one who chooses. And so I detached little by little, but still um, loving her dearly until, you know, she passed away. She passed away in 2013. And that moment of her death, which I do write about in the book was a huge awakening of, oh, it wasn't how I thought inside. She was a really huge and bright spirit. And I don't know why this happened in her life and our lives, 
but I felt something so liberated and so bright and something so beyond what I could comprehend at that moment. Yeah. I think that's super freeing just coming to the realization, like I said, that they're on their own journey. And like you just said, there's really nothing that you can make anybody do or not do. And I think for a lot of adoptees, just realizing that is huge. And like I said, very freeing. Yeah, it was very liberating and healing in my heart where there was pain there could then be this huge love. So it was a really healing need to realize that. So what was the relationship with your adopted dad and your adopted sister? What was that? Yeah, I was also, I was also very close with my adoptive father. He's very, very kind and good person, very pure hearted and simple. He enjoys the simple beauties of life. And I feel like he really taught me that. And he became kind of a rock because my mom was sort of so up and down (laughs) and there was a lot of it was a dramatic roller coaster there with my heart with her with my dad it was always quiet calm it was you know feeding the neighborhood cats on the doorstep (laughs) you know looking at the moon taking pictures of little animals like my father was he taught me those to appreciate those simple beauties in nature so I have a lot of gratitude for him being that kind of rock for me and um, a a point of stability for me. And as for my younger sister, we were just super different. We also loved each other very much. And we were very much this family unit. Neither one of us felt, oh, I got to go find my, you know, real parents somewhere. There wasn't any of that. We were completely involved in this family unit. We were just incredibly different people, especially at that time. We've grown closer and more alike as we've gotten older. But at that time, you know, she was more out and hanging out with the kids on the block, playing kickball and baseball. And I was, you know, watching from the window (laughs) while I read my little book and wrote some poetry and played with a Barbie, you know, we're just very different In the book, you talk about a moment when you were a child that you realized that you were different as an adoptee. What happened? Yeah, that was in the second grade. I was, we were, we had gone to the librarian to have just some reading time or something. The librarian was reading a book saying this book was adapted by such and such author. And I, you know, I, I look back on that moment with tenderness in my heart because I was so full of confidence at that time, which really disappeared later, you know, but at the moment there was still confidence. So I shot my hand up and I said, oh, like me, I was adapted, (laughs) you know, so, so bravely and proudly. And then she said kindly, oh, I think you mean you were adopted, Danielle. Yes, thank you. And I was like, yes, that's what I mean. That's right. But then when I went back to the classroom, somehow it was a big deal which I really didn't expect. So the kids came over to me, you know, boys I had a, a little boy I had a crush on, other people <laughs> who I thought were my friends, and they're all surrounding me saying, no, you're not adopted, we don't believe you. And I was so surprised. This is, is this strange? Because in, and I talk about that in Healing Tree too, in, the, in my life, in my house, my parents 
told me I was adopted from the very beginning. And it was a very positive story. It was a very special thing. I was their little adopted angel. There was a beautiful story that I tell. And so I felt special. Right. And that specialness utterly dwindled when I went to school and inter- started to interact with the kids. And that was a that moment was a turning point. They followed me. They followed me after school to my mom's car to ask her if it was really true. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. You know, what's funny is just the other day I was reading this guy's story on a Facebook page and he used it. He used the word adapted. Have you been seeing that? That, No, that's like a new word coming up is that you are adapted because you adapted to this new family and I just, I thought he had like wrote it wrong. And I was like, oh my gosh, he, he meant adopted. I was thinking the same thing. And then it, it dawned on me. I heard later and I was like, oh, wow. I was making fun of this guy for <laughs> spelling it. And this is a thing now being adapted. Oh, how funny. <laughs> not funny. That's so funny. So um, you talk about the primal wound in your book. What do you think triggered your awareness of having the primal wound? And in what ways do you think it manifested in your life? Maybe even before you knew you had the primal wound. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that I became aware of it after my reunion with my birth mother. And then, of course, I couldn't even put a name to that until many, 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 many years later when I read The Primal Wound. Then I was able Mm -hmm. to name to what I felt like I experienced inside of me. But if I look back before that time, you know, I feel like it was a a double whammy for me. So I was adopted and my mom had this mental health issue. And so I just became from a very early age, a very frightened, worried, anxious, neurotic little girl. And and it lasted for the rest of my life until now. But I did a lot of work on it so much, but it actually got really, really, really bad when I got into later into high school and then into college. It became a problem that I couldn't ignore anymore. So I think that that issue Mm -hmm. came from my primal wound, that deep Fear, And then the second one would be a deep, deep insecurity, that lack of confidence that I ended up having in my life. Right. So I want to talk about your healing journey. You go into detail about it in your book. And you said, one evening as I was sitting on my front steps watching the sunset, I realized I'm falling in love with myself. I had found my true self, my home, and it had been right there within me all along. And I think that is such a key issue for adoptees because I feel like we look all over the place to fill in those missing pieces when we're looking in the wrong place. So talk about that a little bit, like how, why, I mean, you were just sitting on your front steps and this just came to you or like, did something trigger that thought? Well, I had actually just taken a really intense workshop that was called finding my true self <laughs> to of which I leaped to take because I was so desperate for that, you know, that, so that, that insecurity and that anxiety was climaxing. And then I had my reunion and then it kind of 
busted open. And then I just felt I need help. I can't really see the next steps of life without getting some mental, emotional help right now. So then I did a deep dive and ended up in this workshop where that's what happened. I just dug and dug and dug into my heart through the process and using a lot of my strong will to sort of break through what I really wanted to know, where is the real me in here? I I had an intuition that I got to solve this inside of me. Because there were no things outside of me that were making me happy. You know, the world looked crazy. I loved my parents, but there was, there was struggles there. Yeah. I had a relationship. It wasn't making me happy. Nothing was fulfilling me. Right. It's got to be inside of me. And then I joined the center and someone said, Oh, do you want to find your true self inside? And I was like, yes, me, 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 you know, <laughs> and I really poured my heart and soul into it. And I really had a breakthrough. And through the breakthrough, it was just like a cracking open of all of those layers for one moment where I could feel this huge river of love, unconditional love, the kind of unworldly love and peace and light. And I felt intuitively, I knew this is the essence of me. This is the fiber of my being. This Mm. is the me that cannot be taken away from me. Yes. No matter what the struggle, no matter the past, no matter what my mind tells me, no matter what people tell me, no matter who does what to me when, I knew it at that moment. Was I able to maintain that connection and that consciousness? For No, it kind of came and went for a long time. And I did mm-hmm. long, a lot of healing work. But that moment where I was sitting on the steps that you just read, I was really feeling that alive in my heart and I was knowing it. And it was healing my relationship with myself. It was allowing me to feel love for myself for the first time. Yeah. I talk about coming home to yourself a lot. And I think the problem is a lot of times because we're adopted, we feel guilt and shame and anxiety, and we almost feel like we can't trust ourselves. So coming home to yourself when you don't even know who you are or if if this is a good place or not is super scary, you know? So that's a lot of the work right there. I think is getting to know who you are so that you can even trust yourself and figure out if you even like yourself. I think a lot of people don't even, you know, am I going to even like that person that I am? I don't know. It's scary. Yeah. Very scary to figure out your identity when you've kind of, made a persona for yourself for who knows how many years and then realizing like you did, I'm not happy. So this is not me. Yeah. I need to figure out who that person is. That's a huge journey. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck too. Yeah. Is what's the first step in figuring out who I am. Right. Right. You know, those are, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I feel like a huge piece there. The answer there is really being able to allow ourselves to feel ourselves, which is something I work on. Which is scary because we shut that down. Right. So we have to recover the safety. Yes. Yeah. I think you, you do have to go to the scary places. You you really do. You have to be brave enough to, to step out that little circle that you're, that you feel safe in, (laughs) you know, and figure that out. And another thing I wanted to talk about was um, 
I find that some people like to hold on to their victim cards. Mm. They hold on to them so tight, even though they know it's impeding their healing journey. So what do you have to say about that in your own personal experience? Did you do that for a while? Were you scared to put those down? Like, what was that like? A hundred percent. I have those victim voices inside. I mean, that's been the whole process for me, really being brave to go in there to feel and then discovering getting once you go in, it's kind of like going to a new landscape, right? And then, oh, I have this beautiful, shining, true self, but oh my God, I have this and I have this and I have these victim voices too. They keep telling me these victimized stories yes, and they're really loud and they're really compelling. And they're really, because it's deep beliefs, mm-hmm. beliefs that are ingrained in our bodies, right? So I can feel, I've over time had a lot of experience to feel the gravity and weight of those victim stories that pull me back. But in that agony and really facing that struggle and feeling into it, there's always, every single time, it's become very clear that that victim story is not who I really am. It's just a story. Yes, it's just a label. It's a story. It's a belief. It came from a memory. It came from an experience, but it's not my essence. And I can listen to it right now. Or again, you have to be able to feel in to be able to realign with your center and the part of you where there is love and there is light. And there's that story just, it dissolves in that space. I mean, does it come back again, you know, later that day or that month or that year? It does, because this is what we have to work with. Mm -hmm. But if you just follow those victim stories and just live trying to listen to them and and kind of being chased by them, for me, life was so so much more, there was so much more suffering Mm -hmm. in my life. Life was worse. (laughs) Life is always worse, even present day, when I'm stuck in that story. So it's a matter of realizing that it's just a story. And then we all have them. So it's not bad. I don't need to blame myself. It's just that's in there. But there's something else in there, too. And I'm going to come back to the true me now. And then that one always falls away. And then I can make new choices. And it feels like developing uh, better patterns that are not just that victim loop. Right. What I saw in your book was you had a lot of curiosity instead of labeling things right away. Mm-hmm. Like you had a lot of curiosity and you were like, what am I feeling right now? Instead of like just automatically going to the negative spot, you know, or right. I'm bad. I feel this way, you know, all the negative things. Like it was like, why, what am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling like that? Right. You know, and claiming it and feeling it and moving through it. So lots of curiosity that I saw that you was part of your journey. Yeah, I would say curiosity and practicing to drop the judgment and be brave to just explore it. Right. That's that's super healthy. I've been hearing a lot about using curiosity instead of jumping all to the negative thoughts and stuff. It's like, well, why am I feeling that way? And it doesn't mean you're bad. That's right. But it's the curiosity of figuring out the why, you know, and working through that. So let's talk about your reunion. So you were told that your mother was an actress in a soap opera at the time of your birth. Was that true? (laughs) (laughs) Was it true that she was one? Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, she she is a, an actress, and she was in a soap opera at the time of my birth. Okay, funny. Oh my gosh, that how do you do you knew that then your entire life? So what I knew was just simply your birth mother was an actress on a soap opera, and she that's why she couldn't take care of you. I mean, I didn't know the nitty gritty and know the details, right. but that's what I heard. So because a lot of adoptees, you know, they say that they, you know, have these daydreams that, oh, my, my mother's a, you know, princess somewhere, or she's an actress or my father's rich, you know, yeah. like we have all these. Yeah. Preconce- I never did, which is funny, but I, uh, but I always, I hear a lot of adoptees, you know, have these daydreams about who they're, they came, where they came from. Yeah. But yours so- actually. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Actually, Damon Davis, when I, when I spoke with him for the Who Am I Really podcast, uh-huh. he said the same thing, like, you're living the dream. <laughs> like, this was our dream, but it wasn't my dream. Right. And I didn't actually know many adoptees growing up. I just, just my younger sister. And she didn't seem to be talking about that either. So it was, it, it didn't feel like a great, fantasy coming true it it just felt more um it was a little strange and and I say this too right that I especially socially all these things started coming up socially outside of the Mm -hmm. house where my friends would say because I of course told people that when they would ask me about my adoption and then my friends would say oh let's we're we're watching the soaps after middle school or something one day oh do you think it's her oh I bet it's her oh okay and then that was kind of stressful. Right. People are looking at each one going, does she look like me? I'm like, what is it? I hope so. And I hope not. Yeah. Like, simultaneously, you know? What an amazing story so far that Danielle has told us. And just who is Danielle's birth mother? You will have to tune in next week to find out. And such an interesting story on the reunion and how that happened and just the ins and outs of reunion. As a lot of adoptees know, it can be a very slippery slope. So be sure to tune in next week to hear her reunion story and more about her healing journey. I want to thank you all for listening today, and I especially want to thank those that have gone on and reviewed the podcast. I have a new review today, and it is from Mayfly005. And it says, I've really enjoyed listening along to Melissa's story and her personal reflections about her past and how it's affected her life. Listening to her reflections and internal conflicts made me realize we truly have no idea what other people are going through and how they're processing their world. It really has helped me to remember how unique we all are and that we never do fully know everything about another person. We are complex beings who need each other. This podcast is a wonderful affirmation of our depth and interconnectedness as human beings. Thank you so much, Mayfly005. If you have not gone on and reviewed the podcast, please do so. It helps get the word out. The algorithms are ridiculous and they go by how many reviews you have. And we just want to get the word out and educate the world. So I need your help in doing that. So thank you so much if you've done it already, and I would certainly appreciate it if you would do that if you haven't already. If you have an adoption story to tell, you can be anyone in the adoption constellation. I want to hear your story. So please contact me at mindyourownkarma at gmail.com and tell me a little bit about your story and let's get you on the podcast. 
Lastly, please feel free to share my podcast to anyone that you think would like to listen to it or needs to hear the message. As always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. And I'll see you next time. Oh my gosh, Tomlin. Are you serious? This is what I put up with, guys.